have one finger in 1 Thessalonians 4 and go to Daniel right now, chapter 7, and this will be why we're going to sing a new song at the end of the service called Ancient of Days. In Daniel 7, this was a prophecy beginning with verse 13 and going through 14. Daniel said, I was watching. By the way, when you study Revelation, you should study Daniel too. Daniel and Revelation go together, just like Ephesians and Joshua. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, victory in Jesus and stuff. But uh, Daniel and Revelation go together. I was watching in the night visions, verse 13, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. <clears throat> uh, this is what's going to happen. And this is, I sense in my heart that we are really, really living in the last days. Jonathan mentioned there's four weeks to uh, Easter. Um, there's actually, Easter then would be on the fifth Sunday, I believe, if I have my calendar. But uh, what I'm going to do today, I'm going to start the series on the, the four. What, what, is, what is it that has to happen uh, for God to bring the consummation that we read about in Scripture? Where are we at in the time? And uh, I just, I don't like uh, uh, reading, or uh, yeah, I don't like the ones that try to predict, you know, I even learned a lesson in my own heart. In 1973, in the Yom Kippur War, I thought, okay, this is it. Keep your eyes on the Middle East. And and uh, the Yom Kippur War, of course, all the Arabs tried to push Israel into the sea, and that didn't work because the Ancient of Days is in control. Is that correct? And I thought, it's just, well, of course, now that was a lot of years ago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's foolish to try to, but a student of Scripture knows that some of the signs that were predicted by Daniel and in, in other places in uh, the sign of the last days of the church and the last days of Israel, uh, you know, point to it. just some incredible things happening today. So I believe in my heart that uh, we need to understand once again the four major, there are eight prophetic events yet to happen, but four major ones. Today, we're going to talk about the rapture of the church. Next week, we're going to talk about the tribulation period. And the week following that, we're going to talk about the second coming and the millennial kingdom. That brings us to Palm Sunday, and we'll see how that, the promise of Palm Sunday and what the significance of that is in relation to the prophecy that, that will bring the consummation of all things. And then the following Sunday, the tremendous resurrection Sunday. That's April Ninth. So next week is the 19th. That will be the tribulation. And then the second coming and millennial reign will be the 26th of March, April 2nd, the significance of Palm Sunday, and then the resurrection Sunday of April 9th. So you know where we're going, okay? Know where we're going? And uh, you've, got to, you've got to be excited as a Christian and a student of the Bible to understand the day in which he has placed us here. I mean, we are here for such a time as this. And uh, every time you encourage or witness or teach uh, the young people or uh, meet here, and I mean, all of that, there's going to come a time 
And it all means something now. But what I want us to do is to begin with 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. We're going to go all the way through next week's scripture, which is all the way through chapter 5, verse 11. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Follow along. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I love this. And thus shall we always, A-L-W-A-Y-S, be with the Lord. Any amens on that? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. But, chapter 5, verse 1, concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, for when they say, they say, notice the pronouns, they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now catch it, now catch it, catch it, catch it. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Not them, he's talking about us. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort, or a, a good translation could be to encourage each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So that's today and next week. We'll get into chapter 5 next week. But I mean, all you have to do is look at what's happening. And when you hear about prophecies in Revelation about the kings of the East, you know, it doesn't take a, a genius to realize that China is sober rattling all over the place, saber rattling all over the place. And uh, you have shaking hands, you have two giant nations of Russia and China, and they all hate us, of course. And there's all kinds of things happening in the nations. There's things happening in the financial realm. There's things happening definitely in the moral realm. And I never dreamed in 1973 that we would struggle to define what marriage is in our society and things like this. It's and I'm not a doomsdayer, but folks, let's wake up huh, and see what's going on. It is, it, it's uh, serious out there. So 
Here's some events that we need the spirit of expectancy because it's going to happen. The sad thing about the rapture to me is that Christians quibble so much on the exact when of this event. Now, I believe it will happen just before the tribulation. I'm, I'm a pre-tribulational uh, rapture fella. There's mid-trib, and there's post-trib, and there's partial rapture, and yada, yada, yada. I think there's enough scripture to support pre-trib, but I don't break fellowship with those, and I don't stand there and argue about it. Quibbling, there's so much quibbling about when this is going to happen. They missed the blessing of this event. And uh, to me, it's very clear that it's the next, and it's going to happen. God did not put this in here for people to say, oh, fooey, that happened in 70 AD. And there's a group of believers that believes that, that it happened in 70 AD. And what are we still here for? That's a duh to me. But anyway, uh, so the fact is God put it there for a reason. It's not just this passage. There are three major passages that deal with the and there are others as well. But this is a, a New Testament thing. Uh, there are types in the Bible. Enoch was a type of the rapture. He was translated. He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. He was translated, and that's what's going to happen to born-again believers. So let's look at this again in verse 13. Now you have to remember that First and Second Thessalonians both are prophetic books. In fact, Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2 talk about the Antichrist almost as much as the Revelation does. And so people had a lot of questions in Thessalonica about prophecy. And then some bright, well-meaning knothead came along and said that those who have died have missed the second coming, uh, you know, and, and, and the rapture and all that, and really disturbed people who had lost, lost loved ones. So Paul had to straighten that out in this passage by the word of the Lord, okay? So verse 13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. If you have your notes, asleep is talking about the body, not the soul, because 1 Corinthians 5, 8 says, To be absent from the body is to be, going to help me out, present with the Lord and, uh, and other places as well. So, you know, when I have a funeral and and uh, there's loved ones just so sad to see, you know, we're at the graveside and all that stuff, I remind them that if that person is a Christian with their faith and trust in Christ, that they're not there. That's just the remains, the earthly shell. Uh, and, uh, you know, whoever it was that disturbed the Thessalonians are still around. Because, I mean, what a wonderful thought when you think of, Wow, stepping from this life right into the presence of the Lord. Uh, he said, listen, those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. By the way, you know, Christians can sorrow, and it's natural to do so. But what a difference between those who know where their loved ones is and uh, know where they have put their faith and trust. I've had many funerals, and some of my saddest and hardest moments have been with people that you really question whether or not they knew the Lord because hell is real and Gehenna is a real, real place. So if you have your notes, what a difference in sorrow over the death of loved ones. The unbelievers have no hope. The Christians have assurance of resurrection. Praise God. 
Now, I got a lot of blanks here because I want you to write these down so it stays in your heart. <clears throat> as sure as Jesus Christ died and rose again, Jesus will unite the departed soul to their new body. Can you get all that on that line? Jesus will unite the departed soul to their new body. A friend of mine was serving in Vietnam during the war on a ship, and his ship blew up. And to be honest, they couldn't find enough of him left to send back. And it bothered my friend's family. And so you think that God is able to gather all the atoms and cells of this earthly remains of this fellow and bring them back together, whether they're ashes or whatever they are, and bring a new resurrected body. The one who spoke and the worlds were framed, don't you think he can do that? If you do, say amen in your heart anyway. So I had the privilege of telling many people that it doesn't matter what's left of the earthly remains, that God can bring them all back together. It is sown, sown a spiritual body. Verse 15, no, verse 14. For if we believe, that's the key. If we believe that Jesus dies, died and rose again. Now, if you don't believe that, then I question whether you're saved or not. But if you believe that, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Praise God. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So, if you're taking notes, the revelation of these things come from Christ himself. That's what he says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This wasn't Paul's idea. This was a direct revelation from Christ himself. The revelation of these things come from Christ himself. Now, this is important. Those that are alive in Christ live with, that's you and I, if we're born again, we live with a spirit of expectancy, a spirit of expectancy. All you got to do is back up to 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10. I love this verse, and this is what we should be doing. The last part of verse 9 talks about serving the living and true God, verse 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven. When you wait for somebody, you're expecting something. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, catch it now, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's why another reason and another verse, I have many of them, that tell me that the rapture is pre-tribulational. But, you know, you want to you know, believe otherwise. When it actually happens, I'm going to turn to you on the way up and say, I told you so. So the spirit of expectancy, you know the Philippians 3 verse 10 uh, verse 20 and 21, I'll read it for you. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Eagerly waiting now, who will transform our lowly body. I'm ready for that. I want to be able to see you crystal clearly. I want to be able to run a marathon. Well, maybe not the marathon. Transform our lowly body that it be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. Why? Because he's the ancient of days. That's Anyhow, <clears throat> um, so the spirit of expectancy and of imminency. When we say imminent, 
You know, when the Lord in the King James says quickly, it means it can happen at any moment. It doesn't mean it'll happen in the next 10 seconds, but it can. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, says, Behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus said, the last chapter of the Bible. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then you go down to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. And, and he is. It's imminent. More so now than... So I don't know how long I'll be able to preach for you, but I tell you right now on the march toward Easter, I want us to understand what it's going to take, what God is going to do to bring the consummation of all things as predicted in the Bible. And we're on that threshold, I believe, with all my heart. No time setting, but we're there. We're, we're living in the last days. By the way, do you know what the last verse of the Bible says? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You know what the last verse of the New Testament says? It uses the word curse because the Old Testament law could only curse those who broke it. So the Old Testament ends with curse, the curse of the law. The New Testament ends with the grace of Christ. Isn't that great? What a difference. The Old Testament is good. Is good. It's good. But what the law could not do, Christ did. Amen? Praise God for that. Anyway, so verse 16. This is actually how it's going to happen. This is just plain Bible teaching. People who don't believe it try to explain it away. And no, I have not read the Left Behind series. I did not get my theology from Tim LaHaye in the Left Behind series. It might be interesting. It might be good. And God can use all that. But that's just not me. I, uh, you know, I'm not a speculator. I want exactly what the scripture says. And this is what it says. Verse 16. Oh, we better go back to uh, Thessalonians. So hang on a minute. Tell me what you're going to do the rest of the day. No, don't. Verse 16. This is what's going to happen, people. It's the next event for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. So taking notes, the Lord will descend from heaven with three things, with a shout. Whose? I asked a question there with a W. Who's shouting? Who's doing the shouting? Did I give you the answer? No. But there'll be a shout. It could be us. It could be him. It could be the angels. It could be all three. And I tell you, when we're going up in the rapture, I might do a little shout. What else? Verse 16. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. I honestly think it's, it's the Lord himself. But with the voice of an archangel, who is that now? I think the voice of the archangel is probably Michael. You can read about him in Jude 9. He's called the archangel. It's not Gabriel. Gabriel had a different purpose. But Michael. He was the head of the armies of God, and, and he was an archangel, and he is an archangel. So there'll be a shout, there'll be the voice of the archangel, and then a trumpet, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Trumpet! You want to hear about the trumpet? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Actually, beginning with verse 51. I believe this is referring to the rapture too. Behold... I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Boy, am I glad of that. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Anybody here play trumpet in high school? Anybody here blow a horn? Ah, I see that hand. Ah, well, I played a coronet, which is almost the same thing as a 
as a trumpet. Anyhow, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, wowzers, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and it will, people, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, and it will happen, and we're going to meet the dead in Christ in the air. And all of that should make you have a spell, (laughs) a spell of joy and expectancy. You know, in the Old Testament, there were two trumpets that were used in Israel. One was used to assemble the people, and one was used to move on, you know, move the camp on towards Canaan. But this one, this one will announce the most tremendous, thrilling gathering of all time. You ready for that? Huh? That trumpet where we will have the greatest reunion in the sky? I think it's close, people. I do. So, Let's finish this here. We may not be sure exactly the interpretation of these sounds, but one thing is clear. Christ's return for his saints will be announced from heaven forcibly, uh, forcefully and dramatically. And sometimes people just don't get it. The minister of a rural church in the Ozarks suggested to his congregation that they purchase a chandelier. It was put to a vote and all the members voted it down. Why do you suppose the purchase why do you oppose the purchase of a chandelier? asked the preacher. Well, drawled one of his flocks, first of all we can't spill it, so how can we order it? Second, even if we did get it, no one can play it. And third, what we really need is more light. And there are believers that in this world that we live in don't understand the anticipation, excitement of this event. They don't get it, but they need to. We all need to. So what else does verse 16 say? It says, then the dead in Christ will be resurrected. (laughs) I went to a pastor's meeting one time, and one of the pastors said, well, we're going to go up in the rapture before your group does. And uh, somebody said, what are you talking about? He says, well, It's biblical. It says the dead in Christ shall rise first. (laughs) He was a little discouraged, can you tell? Anyway, uh, so the dead in Christ will be resurrected. And how will God do it? Now, please write this in. It's a lot of lines, but when you write it down, it'll be cemented in your heart. The God who created the universe out of nothing with a word, that's all it took, with a word, is fully capable to reassemble, is fully capable to reassemble the decayed bodies of his saints in a moment. He's fully capable to reassemble the decayed bodies of his saints in a moment. Now, we either believe this passage or we try to whiff it away. I believe it. I'm a literalist. I believe the scriptures were there for us to understand. And so I've been with you over two years, and I I just want, want us all every once in a while, to be reminded with expectancy that this could happen before we meet next week, before you eat your sauerkraut today. Hey, did you know that's in the Bible? It talks talks about sauerkraut and lutefisk in Deuteronomy. Did you know that? It's found in Deuteronomy 14, verse 3. doesn't mention those names, but it's referring to sauerkraut and lutefisk. It says, quote, Thou shalt eat no abominable thing. That's Deuteronomy 14.3. That can't be referring to anything else but sauerkraut. And I get teased about hating sauerkraut. Now, just think for a minute. When someone refers to a a food, a two-word food with the first word 
sour. What does that do to your taste and anticipation? Now, how did I get on that? I don't know. But Jesus may come back before your, before next week. It can happen. Anyway, verse 17. Are you ready? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's that term used to describe the rapture. Rapture, the word rapture does not occur in the Bible. The concept is taught all through it, though. And this word caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So then it is, if you're taking notes, the living who will be caught up. That's the Latin word for rapturo, R-A-P-T-U-R-O, and changed. I already read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. We can't go to heaven with these bodies. We can't see God in these bodies. We'd perish in an instant. But we will be changed. This is an event that will happen. We'll be, we'll, uh, uh, we will be changed and reunited with the dead in Christ in the clouds. To that, here it is, grand meeting with the Lord in the air. I know I'm having you write a lot, but please write it and remember it. The grand meeting with the Lord in the air. Have you ever you ever heard that song? We're going to meet the Lord. Yeah. In a sweet, sweet by and by. You should have heard my my friend Jerry would play that on the banjo and the stomach Steinway, you know, the accordion. Man, could he go on that. There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Anyhow, so, by the way, where are we going then? Don't you want to know where? You are not very curious today. John 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So that's where. And write it down, never to be separated again. And the result of that is in verse 18, tremendous comfort and hope. Verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Hope for you, hope for uh, for you and your departed loved ones in Christ. Titus 2.13 says it this way. <clears throat> it says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus. Now, folks, if we get anything out of this series, let's get this. Now, we're living in a strategic time, and it's not God can wrap these consummation things up. There, there are really four major ones, and one's already happened. This is the second one, the tribulation, the third one, and the second coming, and kingdom is the fourth. And I know the judgment seat of Christ, or the judgment, uh, great white throne and all that, but there are eight total, but one's already one major one's already happened. It was predicted in Ezekiel 37, and that is Israel is back in her land, and it happened in 1948. That was a major part of prophecy. But we got three left, and this could happen at any time. So I want to teach you a new song. We're going to sing this at the end of today, at the end of next week, and then the third week, so that by the time we sing it three times... You can sing it even without music, probably, by then. It's called the Ancient of Days, because I want you to know, again, the Scripture wants you and I to know, 
who really gives a chocolate.